I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you like what you hear, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy it. Today's sponsor is BookNix. BookNix is a teacher-facilitated interactive subscription box and online book club for middle grade readers. I have two good middle grade readers, and I think this is like a godsend, so I hope you do too. Their titles are selected to widen horizons teach critical thinking skills, and expose young readers to life lessons in engaging, safe, and accessible ways. Their curated collection aims to avoid the canon of classics that kids would usually encounter as part of their school curriculum. A selection of books for different reading and developmental levels is provided each month, and you should definitely go check it out, especially in this era of distance learning. The code for you guys is ZIBBY20, Z-I-B-B-Y 20, which is all capitals, Z-I-B-B-Y 20, will get you 20% off plus a $5 donation to Dolly Parton's Imagination Library for every new subscription using the discount code at booknix.com. So go to booknix.com, put in the code ZIBBY20, get your middle grade uh, subscription box, and it'll be fantastic. Thank you, BookNix, for sponsoring. I got such a kick out of doing an Instagram Live with Tracy Tudor, who is the first female real estate broker on Million Dollar Listing LA, which we have been watching quite a bit of during the quarantine. She wrote a book called Fear is Just a Four-Letter Word, How to Develop the Unstoppable Confidence to Own Any Room. She's one of the top agents at Douglas Elliman Beverly Hills and is a graduate of University of Southern California and is a California native. Hey! <laughs> How are you? I'm really good. How are you? I love it. Are those the author letters in the back? I saw the pictures on Instagram. Yes, we still have them, although now they're in the kitchen and we're not really sure what they spell anymore. We're going to do some anagrams later. Oh, that was so sweet, though, of your daughters and nieces. I mean, that's so nice. I was so surprised. I legit started bawling. Everybody thinks I'm so tough, but I'm really just a big wuss. Well, I feel like you were trying hard to refute that assumption in the book by referencing many times where you were a puddle or a mess or whatever, yeah. and that that's okay. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's important that we have vulnerable moments and, and share that with the people that think that we're just, you know, tough boss bees. Yeah. Everybody's got a lot of sides to them. Yes, <laughs> for sure. absolutely. So congratulations on Pub Day this week of your book. It's super exciting. Thank um, you. It's been a roller coaster this week and last week, but I, I have like so much gratitude for the fans of the show and for the women in particular that have been so supportive. You know, this book was a major journey for me and very cathartic one. And then to have it launch in the middle of a pandemic, I felt behind the eight ball, but we've pivoted and shifted and this entire campaign has been digital and you know we hope that we have great success with it and i saw that even just you're announcing the book made it an amazon bestseller so i feel like you're gonna do just fine <laughs> yeah thank you for that i appreciate what, it what made you want to write a book to begin with what was the inspiration for this i truly felt like i had a platform being the the one female cast member on really two shows both billion dollar listed new york and los angeles and I felt it was important that I gave back to the females that are not only in my community in real estate, but just little entrepreneurs around the world that, you know, have big ideas and are intimidated by some of the power plays and the male dynamics and misogyny that happens in this world. Fact. 
I love how you broke down like the different personality types of powerful men that you might have to deal with, because I feel like that this does not just apply in work. This is like in any aspect of your life. These tips are super, super helpful. I appreciate that. You know, I do think it's important to recognize the different personality types so that you can figure out how to cope with those personalities because, you know, it's not just getting the job, but then it's being able to manage it and figure out what's, you know, what's the healthiest decision, not only for you and the client that you're dealing with, but how about all your other clients? You know, I experienced that on the show. I'm not sure if you saw the episode yet, but, you know, with my Malibu series, you know, I saw it. I I mean, (laughs) you know, it was a lot. And I had to really take myself out of my comfort zone and then analyze, you know, is this really worth it? And, you know, that's a question that I think we all have to ask ourselves when we're dealing with those types of egos and and dynamics. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the monetary advancement is worth it, but you better go back and forth with yourself every single day and ask yourself that same question. You know, I feel like you gave so much good specific advice, but one of the things that I felt like you mentioned over and over and over again was the fact that you had all these instincts and that often you ignored them for some reason, right? Like, oh, maybe I had a bad vibe about this guy, Ted, but whatever, I'm going to just roll with it. But every example you gave of ignoring your instincts like came back to bite you. And I feel like oh. that was like one of the biggest themes of the book is just like you have to listen to that inner voice, even when everything on the outside seems to point in a different direction. Of course. I mean, of course, it's like, you know, red flags. We, as women, see them all the time. And we're like, no, 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 that's not a red flag. And the truth is we, we should know by now that we have a gift as women and we don't utilize it enough. And our intuition is everything. And if we started using that more in the boardrooms that we have to walk into against those big egos, we could deflect a lot of the power plays that they make. And I've been using it more and more. And by the way, now that I've written the book, I hold myself to a different standard because it's all in black and white now. So <laughs> I have, you know, I was reading a chapter where I was doing the audible book, you know, a few weeks ago. And at the end of the chapter, the editor, I was like, I got to take a break because I had gone just back to back to chapters. And they were like, what's wrong? And I said, I'm just pissed at myself because I totally didn't follow any of my own advice this week, you know, and I think it really is a practice that, you know, this book is and, you know, talking to yourself and trusting your gut and going with it because it's going to serve you correctly more often than it won't. But I thought that was something that was so, that made you so likable in the book. I mean, not that you're not likable elsewhere, but you're super likable. But I just mean, one of the things was that you said, here's what you should do. And P.S., actually, I didn't do it that way. And that's why I'm giving you this other advice. Like, that was great because I feel like in so many books, experts say, this is what you should do. End of story. And you're like, I totally messed up the situation, but now I've learned. So take just take what I've learned from the bad and, and you go run with that. So it was like, yeah. <laughs> thank you for like living out the mistakes I might have made. And I'm sure I made as well. And by the way, by the way, I'm still make, I still make mistakes. And I think imperfection is something that is also super freeing. You know, I think as a single mom and a successful career woman, we have all these expectations on ourselves that are just really BS. And you know, the more we embrace imperfection as successful career women, and the more that our children understand what that dynamic is, so that when they grow up, they have that confidence to be able to do it on their own. I think those are the most important things. And that's what kind of takes all that anxiety off the table, because we can't be 100 places at once. I'm the mom that will show up to the horse show 
and everybody else will be wearing boots and I'll be coming from a listing pitch and a pair of pumps and a pencil skirt feeling like a total, you know, whack. But the truth is I'm doing the best that I can. I'm showing up. And, you know, that to me is the most important thing. Well, I'm sure that's what's important to your daughter too. I mean, it is. And P.S. I'm sure all the other moms are like, wow, I wish I looked like that in a pencil skirt. So, you know, <laughs> everybody, everybody wants what they can't have. You know what I mean? So true. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw on Instagram and in the press and all the rest that you're going through a divorce and now you're in a new relationship. And I, yeah. went, through, I went through a divorce myself, like at age 40 and I have four kids, including like teenagers now. And so anyway, I was feeling like we had a lot to talk about in that regard. <laughs> oh, I'm sure we do. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like I'm on the other side of that now and I'm in a good place with my girls. You know, it was definitely a chapter and that I was ready to close and open a new one. But, you know, in that journey, the last two years, you know, people think of course on the show that this like just happened, but it's, it's been two years. And, you know, I'm in a new relationship. I'm enjoying myself. I'm living in the present. I'm not focusing on what happened yesterday anymore because that's, it's in the past and I can't control that. And I certainly don't want to control the future. So I'm just living for today and I'm super happy if you've seen on Instagram because, yes. <laughs> and you know what? He's given me some great abs too. So that's fun. <laughs> I ended up marrying my tennis pro, actually. No, so you did not. I did. I did. So I have gotten so great at tennis, I have to say. <laughs> I'm dead right now. God, yeah. I, I'm like such a cliche, but screw it. There's truth in cliches, isn't there? I know. Actually, my husband is so funny because he's like, for a while, people didn't want to date me because it was so cliche. I mean, not really. They did. But, you know, it's so cliche to date the tennis pro. You know what I mean? So right. it was like... People are like discriminating against me because of that. hundred uh, percent. I get the same thing. And I'm like, you know what? If you guys can't be happy for me and see that, you know, I'm living in the moment and I'm doing me, then to hell with you guys. Because the truth is like, I'm having a great time. I've never felt better. I've never felt healthier. I'm more focused. Everything's happening in my life with this book and my career. My girls look up to me like I'm living my best life. Truth. Yes. Well, I just feel like, I don't know, from when I was like a kid, didn't, I mean, I don't know if your mom said stuff like this to you, but like, if people are mean to you, it's because they're jealous of you. And I was kind of like, nobody's jealous of me, like in my Laura Ashley skirt, like hiding against the wall. But, you know, there's some truth to that. Like a lot of the naysayers and people who want to put you down, they just are jealous. And then those aren't your people. So forget it, you know? Yeah, I, I really do. I try not to get sucked into the trolls, you know, on different social media platforms Sometimes I can't help myself and I have to speak up and, and that's okay too. But, you know, the support that I have from women that watch the show and support me on my social media platforms and have gone out and bought this book, those are my people. They're like my tribe. And I'm a girl's girl. And I like heart of hearts. Like, I think there's a difference. There's chicks and then there's girls, girls. And I want to be in a tribe with a bunch of women who celebrate me, who I can celebrate right back and lift up. And, you know, I cheers that. I love women. That's awesome. And also in the book, you talked about how relationships can fluctuate so much, even with your sister, right? You talk about how yeah. like, she didn't give you a listing in the beginning and Oof. that was like so gutting. And you were like, how am I going to come back from that? 
and now you have your relationship is in a different place. I'm like speaking for you as if I, I know this intimately. It's just from the book, but <laughs> maybe you should talk about it. <laughs> that was a moment for me. And people always ask me that. And I forget that story because I, I really do talk about it a lot, like a transforming moment for me. And it was, it was when my sister, you know, went through another broker to purchase her home. And I thought to myself, if my own family doesn't believe in me enough to represent them on their real estate acquisitions. Like who the hell else is going to hire me? And it really took me down and I was devastated. And then I started to realize, well, that's a little self-involved. Like I had just had a baby. I was breastfeeding. I was totally disconnected from the world. I was suffering from postpartum at the time. And, you know, and then no one told me. So I felt betrayed but the truth is I was very much in my own world. And, you know, on the other side of that, once I processed that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go out there. I'm going to work 10 times harder. And, you know, the next time an opportunity comes around, I'm going to be ready for it. And it was a great lesson in humility and also reminding myself that I am going to have to be very vocal about the things that I want in this life. And so I have. I listed her house actually this year, right before we went into COVID. And, you know, we're having a lot of great showings and hopefully I'll close it. And that will be the biggest, one of my biggest sales to date. Great. And then we can watch it on the show. Yeah. Full circle. Yeah. (laughs) I just wanted to read one of my favorite quotes from the book. You said, chameleons don't wake up and decide it'd be better to be a polar bear that day. They're always themselves just with a little different coloring from one situation to the next. I thought that was so great. Because you talk about being in all these different situations and yeah, okay, you can act differently with your, your daughter from your client, from, you know, the moms at the horse show or whatever, but like you have to still maintain that inner core of who you are or forget it. Right. So I feel like that was another big message from your book. hundred percent. I do believe in being able to walk into a room and be a chameleon. So long as you have the understanding of who you are intimately, because you cannot be a chameleon if you don't know yourself and you haven't accepted who you are and you haven't been able to show who you are to everybody else and, and be completely authentic. Once you have the first piece, then you can start becoming a chameleon again because you can come back to, to yourself. And that's a fine line. Like a lot of people think they know themselves, but they're not really 100% being honest with who they are. And once you start being a chameleon, people are going to read that the wrong way. And that can be super ineffective. Totally. And I have to keep being like, and this from the book and that from the book. But like, I, love that you are, I love that you're called. They're usually some of my favorite moments. So I'm oh. glad that you are resonating with them. Oh, good. I'm so glad. When you talked about the times when you were going through a lot of personal stuff, right? Because all of it, especially with your divorce and, you know, figuring out with the kids and relocating and all of it, you still had to then go on a show, right? Like, so most people just have to maybe go into work. Now, nobody has to. Now, whatever, we're on Zoom. But like, you have to show up and like be on a Bravo show in front of how many, whoever watches the show. Like, and you talked about how difficult that was and how you just had to power through and like put on the face essentially of, you know, that version of yourself. So how, like, tell me a little more about that and having to be so, you know, it was on display. It was crazy because that whole first season that I was on the show, I was privately going through a divorce and, you know, dealing with that. And I go to set or to houses to film or to interview days and I never spoke a word of it. 
And obviously I ended up filing at the end of the season and that came out and the show hadn't aired yet. And so they put that like that, that screen up at the end saying Josh and Heather Altman are pregnant with their second child. And, you know, Bobby and Josh got married in an extravagant affair. (laughs) Tracy filed for divorce from her husband of 13 years they maintain a positive relationship with their two children. Wah, wah, wah. You know, like it sucked. And then, of course, I had to come back the second season. And, you know, there was obviously some opinions about, you know, me being a career woman. And obviously, the my first season was, you know, a boss. And, you know, perceptions of why my husband and I weren't together for revolved around that. And that was obviously a gigantic misconception. And I wasn't going to sit around and let people paint a picture about me that wasn't true. So I had to sort of bring my vulnerability to the camera and share with that Bravo audience, you know, what I was privately going through. And, you know, I still struggle with it. Moving on from my own house this season, which I talk a little bit about on the show, was a big piece of my personal life. And that's tough to share with everybody every single day. But the truth is, it's my personal story. You don't get to see my kids on the show. And so I think some of the audience is like, this is all she cares about is herself and working hard. And the truth is, that's not it at all. And now I think the fans are, you know, warming up to me, getting to know me and connecting, I think, more than they have in the past. And you're so great as a broker, too. Just like all the creative ideas that you have on the show are so awesome. Like, I loved your little bachelorette party and that adorable house. Oh, that was like, fun. I want to buy that place. That's adorable. Yeah, that was a fun one. We try to get creative. I mean, you know, also, we're doing a TV show about real estate, you know, and and these are high stakes. And these clients have expectations that, you know, for even us are difficult to navigate and manage. But I think at this point, we're all just trying to like one up each other. Like who can throw the bigger or crazier event? I mean, Josh was in like a, I haven't seen the episode yet, but he's like in a, he's like fighting a sword with swords. And I, I mean, the whole thing is bananas. <laughs> you said in the book how you originally wanted to be an actress and how a friend of yours became an actress and you were like, actually, no, that doesn't sound so great after all. And now you kind of have like the best of both worlds because you're, yeah, you get right? screen time, but you don't have to really act. I mean, you're on, yeah. you know, it's well, your no, life. Like, it's a full circle moment for sure. But I do think a lot of failed actors end up as real estate agents. It's like, a <laughs> you know, we're good at selling ourselves. Maybe we'll be good at, se- you know, selling real estate. And I think there are a lot of similarities there, but It was a funny moment when, you know, 20 years later, here I am on a TV show and I'm not really acting. I'm I'm just being me. Yeah. Which turns out is what people want to watch. Like, forget (laughs) the acting and somebody else. Why why bother? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. You talk in the book about having a million dollar backbone which you only said like once, but I thought was such a great, I feel like you need to make that your next Instagram post or something because it's such a, it's such a thing that women need to remember that like in any situation, that's what you need. You need to like stand up for yourself and be vocal and do all the things that you say in the book. So anyway, well, I just you just, that. you just gave me my next caption. I've been, I was, I have to post a, a workout you know, thing, because everybody has been enjoying that lately. So I was wondering what my caption should be. And I think it's going to be million dollar backbone because 
I was saying, you know, talking about the difference between confidence and ego, and it's often misinterpreted. And my confidence has sometimes reportedly been, you know, that I have a big ego. And I, I sometimes I'm like, are, are you joking? Like me against the four other men on the show and I'm the one with the ego? So I think, you know, being a strong female, that's something that I want to speak to and remind myself that I'm actually totally cool with the fact that I'm confident. And it doesn't mean I'm an egomaniac. It just means that I feel good in my body and I feel good in my mind. And I'm going to say it out loud. You don't like it? Don't follow me. <laughs> but and also like as a mother, that's like my number one thing is like, I would love to raise confident kids, right? That's what everybody wants. Right happy, confident kids. And then we become grownups and suddenly it's a bad thing. No, you know, it's, right. like, it's okay to own that. That's what, that's like, maybe our moms did a good job or something. Right. <laughs> we go out there and we tell our kids every day, speak your mind, you know, be empowered, you know, don't let anybody boss you around. But then as adults, when we do it, we are ashamed for it particularly as women. I won't even say adults because I don't think that that's something that men struggle with as much as women do. That's probably true. Okay. I'll buy that. Tell me about the process of writing the book. Did you work with anybody to write the book? Did you sit I down did. outline? Like what was the process like for you? So I sat down and I said, oh my God, this feels incredibly overwhelming. And I was sitting with Erica from my team and we were in my backyard and I said, can you just like have a glass of wine with me and sit on this patio and help me sort of navigate like what the heck this is going to be about. And I did because she knows me so well. And so we started crafting an outline and that outline became a treatment that was probably, I don't know, six, seven, eight pages long. And that was then delivered to my book agent who shopped it around and they loved it. So I ended up working with a woman by the name of Maxie McCoy, who's an incredible writer. And we spent a lot of time together, you know, <laughs> talking shop, her really understanding my voice. I think that's kind of what separated me from so many different authors. And, you know, is I have a very specific voice and I wanted to make sure that it came across just like that. And so just endless hours, six months of writing together. And this is what we ended up producing. And I read it for the first time ever from start to finish, not with like my editor's cap on when I did the audible and I like, I got chills. It was like a big moment for me. It was a trip and I felt really good about it. So again, it's like another moment of gratitude this week where I'm just kind of looking around and going, wow, to be able to be sitting across from you and talking about this is just a really cool thing. And it doesn't like go unnoticed. It's awesome. I feel like I should station myself outside the audible, like where everybody does their recordings. Cause I feel like everybody comes out and reports feeling like it was such a moment, right? It's so spent or so like emotionally drained or crying or this or that to read oh, their yeah. book out loud. It's like, it seems to be such a... I came home after that and my kids and my boyfriend were like, what is going on? And my best friend Joey was here and they were like, what is going on with you? And I was like, I need to take a walk. And I literally just, I was, I was out of sorts and I took a walk and I ended up walking for an hour and a half in the dark in LA and, you know, not really the safest time to be out and about right now. And I sat down on a park bench and just cried for like 30 minutes, just, and not because of anything other than like, this was like a really vulnerable place for me. And I just, I couldn't believe that it finally completed it. And so it was, it was big. And I came home and everybody was asleep and they were like, yeah, are you all right? <laughs> and I was, I just needed to take a minute and just self-reflect. Oh, 
such a nice story. I can just see you on the bench. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was so sad, really. Like if someone had driven by and know me, they'd be like, what are you doing? But I just had to, it was, it was something that I had to do. I, I think they're, I, I don't know anyone who hasn't had a moment where they had to sit and cry in some sort of public place and hide it <laughs> or, or, you know, bathroom at work or someplace where you right. shouldn't be crying, but I don't know, still helps to sometimes hear it. <laughs> yeah, of course. So now that you survived writing your first book and you're a, getting it out in the world right now, is it something you'd want to do again? Like, did you love it? Do you want to keep doing it? Or do you feel like you got out what you needed to say? No, I feel like this is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, like I said, this book for me was really, it was business focused. It was definitely for women in business. I have a much bigger story personally that I want to share. And I think I just haven't quite gotten to the place where I can be a hundred percent truthful with myself first so that I can be truthful with my audience. And I think that might be on the horizon. I think this was a really good start. Have your daughters read the book? Oh, they're reading it right now. Uh, by the way, I was on Juliet yesterday. I'm like, what chapter are you on? And she's like, two, God, I'm almost <laughs> getting there. But you know, they're adorable. They're so supportive. They threw me that party. They wrote me cards and and they are incredibly proud because they know how much hard work it required. And they know that I had to make sacrifices to do that. But I like that the, they're seeing that. I like that I had to sacrifice and my little girls are watching that. And they see me get up before the sun rises and do everything that I need to do and to get done in a day. And they respect it. And that makes me happy because that's pretty amazing that two teenage girls think that I'm cool. <laughs> You know, like generally that's not like the common thread in teenagers and their moms. And my girls just think that I'm awesome. Well, maybe, I mean, it could be because you just are. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're awesome. So. I feel like any day that my teenagers haven't turned on me, I'm like holding my breath. Like, oh, when yeah. is this I'm moment sure going to happen? Yeah. I'm sure I'm on my way. Juliet's like going to be 15. Scarlett's 12 going on like 30. So I, I know I'm going to be up against something at some point, but I'll, I'll take what I have right now and just hang on. Yeah. One day at a time. <laughs> yeah. I heard, by the way, that you had coronavirus and you didn't even know it. You just felt sick. I didn't. And this was really, really early on, like end of February, early March. And I had gone to New York to do a speaking engagement, really Connecticut, actually. And I came back and about five, six days later, I had a cough and I just assumed it was from traveling and, you know, being exhausted, doing speaking engagements and just wearing myself too thin, which has happened to me before. I sleep for a day, I wake up and I feel fine. I did not feel fine. I woke up the next day and I was just exhausted. I kept getting out of bed and then going back to bed. So those were my symptoms. I called my doctor Obviously, Corona was just starting, and I said, I get, we should get one of these like Corona tests, and they were like, you can't get a Corona test. You don't have, what are your symptoms? Do you have a fever? No, I had zero fever. I had, you know, taste buds, all that. We didn't even know any of that at that time, but they weren't willing to give you a test at that time unless you had 103 fever or above. So I went and saw my doctor. He gave me a flu test. He looked at me and said, I don't think that you have the virus. and you know, turns out about a month later, I took two antibody tests from two different labs in a row that showcased that I had all the antibodies. And at that point, we had a lot more information. And I went, you know what, I had it. And and so did my boyfriend. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, that's one way to, you know, get closer, I guess. I mean, I felt <laughs> safe for a minute. But now everybody's saying that, you know, after three weeks, you can even get it again. So it's back to square one, which is a little bit frustrating. Oh, my gosh. 
I mean, there's just so much unknown. I don't know. I think I'm going to do back to, I'm going to go back to your one day at a time philosophy here. Yeah, that's all we can do. <laughs> do you have any last parting advice to aspiring authors? I was talking to my friend Joey the other day about this, who's writing a book and he's a little bit terrified to do it because of, you know, people coming at him for being honest, talking about things that are uncomfortable. And, you know, I say, put it in paper, put it down, put it in black and white, speak your truth. You don't ever have to publish it once you finish it, but at least if you get it out on paper, you're speaking the truth to yourself. Then you can make the decision afterwards, you know, about who you're willing to share that with. But it is a journey. It's a a cathartic one. And anyone that's thinking about doing it, know this. It's exhausting, but incredibly rewarding. Excellent. Well, thank you, Tracy. Thanks for doing this Instagram live and coming on Mom's No Time to Read Books and chatting with me about all all parts of life. (laughs) Thank you for being such a great fan and for watching the show and being so tapped in. This is a really great interview. And, you know, more often than not, people don't really know anything about the book when I get on the phone with them. And so I appreciate you being so connected. Oh, no problem. No, it was a great book. I really enjoyed it. And oh, my good. whole family, like this is our family show that we watch. I'm like, is it bad that I have my teenagers watching Million Dollar Listing and my seven-year-old girl? I'm like, whatever. We're all in I've it. Got so, really, <laughs> I've got really cute young fans. I get like, you know, eight-year-olds, 10-year-olds, teenagers reaching out to me. It's it's the sweetest. I love it. Yeah. Well, we'll be watching. And uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Okay. Congrats again on your book. Bye. Thanks <laughs> Bye-bye. so much. Bye. Thanks again for listening to my podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you liked this episode, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and sign up for my mailing list at ZibbyOwens.com so you can always hear about the latest things I'm up to. Thanks a lot. Thanks again to today's sponsor, BookNix. Go to BookNix.com. Zibby20 is the code to get 20% off of your middle grade subscription box. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com.